Hey, everybody. Welcome to the New York City Future of Talent podcast, where we interview the recruiting leaders at some of the fastest growing New York City startups and learn their tips, tricks, and strategies for quickly filling open jobs with the best people. I'm your host, Jason Rivas of FirmPlay.com. We are an employee referral acceleration platform that lets recruiters search through their employees' networks to instantly source the best referral candidates and match them to open jobs based on work history and skills data. We are currently in the limited early access for fast-growing startups here in New York City. Um, if you're interested, visit FirmPlay.com to learn more. Today's guest on the podcast is Lee Gutman. Lee is the head of talent at Enigma, a New York-based data-as-a-service startup. Lee started as Enigma's first recruiter and now leads a full-cycle recruiting team at the company. Uh, prior to Enigma, Lee cut his teeth in recruiting at a boutique staffing agency, placing talent at companies ranging from early-stage startups all the way up to Fortune 500 companies. Welcome to the show, Lee. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I should give some context too. Uh, give the the audience a little background about how we met. Um, I host a by the same name as a podcast, Future of Talent Breakfast here in New York every month or so. Um, and Lee provided such great insights during the breakfast roundtable that uh, I thought, hey, you'd make a great guest on the podcast. So I thought I'd have you on. So again, thank, thanks for joining us, Lee. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so why don't we kick it off then? Maybe uh, I described you guys Enigma as a data as a service startup, but maybe give us a little bit more context about what exactly it is Enigma does as a company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Enigma launched in 2012 um, with a really exciting vision of going out to attract and acquire publicly available data from any sort of source, whether it was the U.S. government, whether it was a third party. And our vision was that this was an amazingly contextual data asset, uh, but was very unstructured and very disparate and hard to actually pull insight from. So, you know, over really the last seven or eight years, Enigma has been on this journey of becoming, you know, hopefully the next generation of data intelligence companies uh, that can provide really interesting insight and actionable um, solutions for how businesses operate. Everything from helping to learn about uh, companies, people, or locations, and trying to build products that can help really augment decision-making in the Fortune 500 landscape or even into small and mid-sized firms. So we started out on this journey of acquiring public data years ago, and now we're still on this journey of really building what we would consider like a model of the real world and trying to continue to figure out um, you know, what we can learn about, you know, again, companies, people, locations, and trying to really connect the dots, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Your founder does a lot of, uh, his name is escaping me at the moment, but he does a lot of talks here in and around New York that I attend like startup tech events. And I always hear him talking about, um, you know, the, the background and how it was founded. They met at Columbia undergrad. Is that right? The founders? Yeah. So Ishaan and Mark met at Columbia, um, you know, fun fact, we had won the TechCrunch Disrupt competition in 2013 in New York City, which the Silicon Valley show on HBO has sort of made famous. <laughs> um, and I'm sitting in our library right now with that $50,000 check looking looking up at me. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a really interesting story for us being a company that's B2B uh, in New York City, you know, over the last, I've been recruiting for over 12 years now, always in New York City. And I think B2B companies um, are continuously on the rise here. There's some great stories, especially with companies most recently like uh, Datadog and MongoDB and, and all of these companies now having really great success stories. And New York has been really cool. And yeah, I think for us, you know, I think we're, we're still, um, you know, an under the radar startup, like you had mentioned earlier in the intro. 
um, continuing to build out a much larger technical team to continue to develop products that we're passionate about building and, and for the use cases that we're really excited to continue to solve leveraging, um, you know, again, public data as one of the main data assets. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, well, let's dig in then, uh, to some of the stuff you guys are doing to attract, to attract talent to the under the radar startup that you guys are. But, uh, before we jump into the topic, I like to open these up with a quick icebreaker here and maybe just, I like to hear people's stories as quickly as you can, as concisely as you can, but what led you to recruiting as a profession? Just generally had it. I'm always curious how people end up there, right? What, what's your kind of quick, quick story and how you got to yeah. recruiting? Definitely. Uh, such a good question. So uh, I think like most people, I did not go to college for recruiting. I don't think any school has a specific major in recruiting. Um, you know, you could take organizational psychology and other kinds of courses relevant to human resources. But recruiting, I think like most people who are in the recruiting field is a thing that people just sort of stumble into. My story uh, was I, I graduated from the university at Albany um, was going to school planning on being a lawyer. And by the time I entered my senior year of college and speaking to a lot of friends and family that were in the industry, sort of found myself not being as interested as I was as a, as a kid growing up, thinking I was always going to go into the legal field. Um, so sort of was interviewing after college in different kinds of sales roles and just found a, a posting for my previous company in my uh, university's career board and uh, went down to interview for it. It was the only recruiting gig I had interviewed for. Um, and just felt like it was a really natural fit for my personality, for um, my interests. And, and I just like dealing with people day to day. I think, you know, as recruiting operations mature, I'm sure we'll talk about this. Um, being extremely data driven is important to run a successful recruiting function. But I do think like being just a generally good people person, have a high sense of EQ is, is, is sort of a must have to being a good recruiter. So, yeah, again, I think like most people who get into this space, it's sort of like you just stumble upon it and if you enjoy it and you have enough of the sort of um, support system around you, especially as a younger recruiter to learn recruiting best practices, um, you can really have a successful career. Yeah, it's so funny. I don't think I've ever asked that question and anybody's ever told me, yeah, I wanted, I knew I wanted to be a recruiter from when I was a little kid. Right. <laughs> just, uh, just, <laughs> Maybe that will change happen. in 20 years. We'll see. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right, cool. Well, let's, uh, let's, Jump into the nitty gritty here then. Um, so I can't recall if I mentioned this at the top of the podcast, but we have a specific topic here that I do want to talk about, and that's really around employer branding. And I want to dig into what role employer branding plays in both attracting and convincing technical talent, which I think is what a lot of what you guys are recruiting for most, um, to join an under-the-radar, quote-unquote, um, high-growth New York City startup. And so I think a good place to start there is maybe give some context. What types of roles is Enigma currently hiring for? And that'll give some context around what types of people we're trying to attract and, and what you guys are doing around that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so at Enigma, you know, we are definitely a tech-heavy organization. I would say that we're about 70% engineering, data science, product, design. I, I really consider it like 70% of the company is building something. 30% of the company and the more non-technical functions on operations and recruiting and business development are all making that happen, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and, you know, at Enigma, we've, we've like every single startup have been iterating on our brand. I think where we were when we were 25 people, a series A startup was obviously very different than where we are now, which is, you know, 115 people post series C uh, developing a, a much different product than what we were developing five plus years ago. So I think when I think about employer branding, especially as it relates to technical talent, um, the immediate thing that comes to mind is really 
um, being very true to the company values and being very true to the values that you can offer um, environmentally the engineering or technical talent that you would want to recruit into your organization. Um, as a startup that's growing really quickly, the nature of a startup is you're trying to build a business that's never been built before. You're trying to find product market fit and you're really trying to build uh, an organization and, and hopefully an environment where you can bring technical talent in to solve really exciting problems, to really feel like they're growing as an engineer or a data scientist. And really, I think most importantly, feel like they can contribute to the larger vision of the company. And I think when it relates back to employer branding, we've done really a lot of iterations over the years on like who we are as a company, who we are as a, as a mission-driven startup, and how do we basically combine the higher-level company vision with the more um, micro-level department-specific values that are important to our engineering folks, um, whether it's being very customer-driven or user-driven, whether it's being very focus on using open source technologies, et cetera. I think it's really important to stay true to who you, who you really are at the end of the day, because if you put a false image out into the market and you get candidates to apply, that's just one part of the entire funnel, right? And if you aren't genuine about that and candidates come in and meet your, meet your teams and learn about the business and learn about the kinds of technical challenges that you're actually trying to hire people to solve. And it's, it's disingenuous with the image that you're putting out into the world. Um, you're going to build a, an incorrect reputation of who you really want to be. And I think it's going to end up providing a misconception of, of, of the kinds of uh, values that are really important to you. So I think like really knowing who you are um, as a company and what you want to solve for and being genuine about that and not being too salesy and not being too uh, disingenuous is really, really important. And that I think is the really first step in any of this, no matter what kind of content you put out the door, it really should all be stemming from the same set of values that really describe um, everything that you want to basically put out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, I'd be curious, why do you think Enigma is really an under the radar sort of startup, right? I mean, you guys have gotten some recognition, some press around what you're doing. I mean, is, is it just the sheer competitiveness of the talent marketplace here in New York city? Is it because you're a B2B product? I mean, why, why are you sort of under the radar for, for engineering and technical folks? Cause that is a challenge that most you know, B2B technical startups have just generally, you think? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a hard question to answer. And and I think it's a, it's my replies is just my opinion on it. I, I think like just generally speaking, B2B companies will obviously for obvious reasons have less of an awareness than a Spotify or a Dropbox or a B2C business that has a pretty wide user base. Um, and at Enigma, you know, we have had um, you know, a really exciting vision out of the gate with this idea of building a, a collection of public data. And I think from that identity, we have been able to get some really cool notoriety in certain circles. I know that data journalists and students and researchers relied upon Enigma Public, which is our basically like our open source public data platform that we provide uh, open access to for the last seven or eight years. But in terms of our products that we're developing now, we're, we're continuing to iterate on where our, um, our our solutions will be in the future and the kinds of uh, technical folks that will help to get us there. So I think we've been around for seven or eight years. We haven't really focused so much on the larger scale uh, brand promotion and awareness just because we've decided to take those funds, which obviously we are a startup, right? And we don't have a blank check to use and put those into more internal uh, strategies that will help us connect with the right people on a more one-to-one -one basis. But what I'm excited about now is that we are a post-Series C startup. We were able to raise uh, an exciting round of funding last year and really start putting that money to work in terms of building out a bigger brand, especially on the engineering side of the house, 
um, and continuing to facilitate um, really solid examples, practical examples, vis-a-vis our engineering blog and other talks that our engineers are giving now on the kinds of hard challenges that we're tackling. And I think it's one thing to to sort of to, to tell a good story, but it's another thing to actually provide some really um, you know specific context into this to the day-to-day challenges that our that our technical folks are, are are facing here at Enigma, which keeps them motivated to come to work every day and want to continue to help the company the company scale. So I think what I'm excited about is continuing to like put more um, time and energy into our brand going forward, but making sure again back to my earlier point that we're doing it in the most genuine way that speaks back to our engineering values and then the broader level Enigma company values that we have. Right, right, right. So let's say I'm a data scientist here in New York, or what's another big role that you guys are hiring for besides data scientists? A software developer in general? Software, software engineering, engineering, yeah. Engineer. I mean, how am I, you know, what would I come across from a branding perspective in my day-to-day, right? Say I'm happy at my job, I'm working at some other company in that type of role, data science, software engineering. What types of assets or what types of mediums or what types of messages would I come across that would boost my awareness of, hey, Enigma's out there and they might be hiring, right? What, what are they coming across? Is it your engineering blog? Is it some other stuff? Is it paid advertising that you're putting out there? What types of branding efforts might I see, you know, as, as a data scientist or engineer who's not really looking for work, right? Yeah, of course. So we've definitely experimented with LinkedIn advertisements um, in terms of sponsored job postings. Um, I often find that we get a higher ROI with that channel through non-technical searches that we're running just because engineers and data scientists and technical folks just get bombarded with messages on LinkedIn. So it tends to be a very clouded, cloudy platform for that. Um, we've used AngelList actually pretty effectively. I find AngelList to be really great. They have two sides of the platform, AngelList being the more freer version, A-list is the more contingent paid version. Um, we right. found that to be pretty successful. Um, and I also think like there's other really great forums, like the Hacker News Who's Hiring thread um, is a great free forum to post your open roles and, and to talk about the company more specifically. And that's a monthly thread that goes out to people. Um, and over time, Enigma has been developing a CRM. I think this is actually a really smart investment for young startups to think about um, as you source candidates don't let them go to waste. So what I mean by that is when you message a candidate, if you don't hear a reply, which you probably won't, (laughs) just given the typical (laughs) numbers of reply rates, don't let that candidate go to waste, right? Store them in a a talent pool, uh, build that out over the longer term. And as you get bigger and you have more content or events or specific product releases that you're proud of, um, reach back out to those people. Maybe they weren't looking, but six months later or a year later, maybe they are now looking to to peek their head out and see what's available. So I think that's been a really powerful tool that we've been investing in over the last couple of years. And we try to nurture these people and we try to connect with them over the longer term and play the long game. I think like a good recruiting function is able to be very strategic at the top of funnel um, by the kinds of um, advertisements like you had mentioned on LinkedIn and other sites um, to get inbound talent, but to go out and prospect talent from that uh, regard, I think like using a CRM is a really powerful investment to make as early as possible. Just because you're a five-person startup um, doesn't mean you're too young to start investing in that mechanism. It, it could be something that over the long term will pay off some serious dividends as you want to reach out to people that uh, you may have not connected with previously. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, actually. I didn't realize, I think about CRMs like a, like a smash fly or something where the, the huge ones that you hear about where huge enterprises are adopting, but I'm sure there's a lot of smaller players out there that are much more nimble CRMs that you can implement, you know, as a five, 10 person team. So that, that's, that's a really good piece of advice I wouldn't have thought of. Um, I guess what I'm curious, what types of content are you nurturing them with? Right. Are we talking about like email newsletter stuff, right? Maybe 
an engineer writes a blog post and you're pushing that out through through the email newsletter that your CRM helps you helps you promote. Is that kind of what it looks like? Yeah, I mean, we, we we try to take a really thoughtful approach to it. I think we're very conscious of being like spammy and don't want to just send out, you know, emails to candidates and really turn them off. So I think for candidates, we try to classify them, right? So I think for candidates that we maybe talk to and they don't really want to interview at this point in time because, you know, they're not looking to actively leave, we still try to just approach it very passively to learn about what their interests are. So for example, if we connect with the data scientists and they're really passionate about machine learning in specific, we might send them invites to events that we're going to have someone speak at, or maybe we're going to give them um, access to a new product release, or maybe we're going to have them, uh, you know, maybe get a coffee with someone on our team. So we try to be very specific about that. I think when you're reaching out to candidates that you just have never connected with, and it's a completely cold email, um, we try to just look at and spend a bit more time on like what they've done throughout their career and try to link the right kinds of content so we can hopefully connect with them and just make that touch point and hopefully nurture them over the longer term. Enigma is definitely investing in a bigger events and community strategy. Um, we host meetups pretty frequently at our office. Um, we try to have engineering um, blog posts go out pretty frequently specific to the kinds of uh, work that teams are doing so they can give really um, you know constructive uh, overviews and feedback uh, and lessons learned related to um products that they're developing and roadblocks that they're facing, et cetera. So we try to be really thoughtful about it and not do it at scale. I think for, you know, a smaller startup, you have to be really strategic with the communication because otherwise, like if you don't really get break through the noise, you're just going to be another email that gets put into someone's trash. So it's important that we try to treat right. it like sensitively um, and, and, and build relationships. I think like good recruiting functions understand again, back to my earlier point that you have to treat, recruiting as both a near-term and a long-term, uh, you know, function, right. And, and build strategies into both focuses to make sure that you're a building a reputation that people want to just follow you and track you over time. Um, and, and B like, make sure when you're recruiting more active candidates that you're being very genuine about the opportunity that you could offer them, uh, where it would map back to, you know, what their interests are. Um, and I think that's always hard because especially when you're sourcing candidates on LinkedIn, there's only so much you can glean from someone's profile, but at least you can make some sort of an educated assumption as to what you think they might be interested to hear about um, and try to approach them with the most genuine uh, content, whether it's through a blog post, an invitation to an event, whether it's maybe setting up like some sort of like high level discussion with someone from the team. Um, I think we, we try to be very careful about that. Yeah. So and to me, it sounds like what you're saying, a lot of what the employer branding strategies are centered around. And I think this makes a lot of sense and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like a lot of it is centered around, look, we have, we have a lot of the types of people we're trying to attract already in the building working for us, right? Our current engineering and technical staff, how do we get their voice out there, their perspective, right? Cause that's a strong signal externally to talent that, Hey, these folks are willing to put in the effort to write a blog post, to take me out to coffee, you know, to, to talk at an, at an event. Um, so it sounds like trying to leverage those people as a, as a signal to the outside and say, Hey, look, right. If, if they didn't like working for us, they probably wouldn't be doing these extracurricular activities that are, you know, outside of typical technical stuff, right. Coding and crunching numbers and stuff like that. Is that right? Yeah. I, could, I couldn't agree more. I think the people that you have on your team are the best representation of the company, you know, versus anything else versus the product versus the business model. I think like, you know, people that come to work at Enigma every day are like highly curious, they want to basically solve really hard problems and they want to build something that's never been built before. Um, that's going to have a really impact, uh, really interesting impact on the business world, but also on society. I think 
you know, one of the things about Enigma that, that still keeps me really excited about coming to work every day is this approach of solving for business challenges, right? But also solving for uh, challenges that impact the society that we live in. So helping to, you know, give small businesses better opportunities to get credit or to get access to funding, um, working with uh, companies and helping them reduce their risk of having uh, you know, uh, money laundering to occur in their system. So we're trying to like create more of a stable environment. And that's the highest level vision that I think Enigma still has is creating this opportunity where people can make more data-driven decisions. I know that Mark and Isham, you know, partly were inspired to start Enigma from just the housing crisis and the recession 10 years ago and seeing like, how did people not connect or did they already see what was happening, but not connect the dots to see where was the insight in the data. And they were really inspired by you know, the fact that publicly available information that the U.S. government really openly disseminates at this stage um, is, is a highly untapped asset of data that could really be utilized for some powerful insight. And that was the founding vision. And that's still fueling like where the company wants to go, you know, in the future. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the data is all out there, right? Just how do you, uh, you know, how do you how do you put it into practice? And how do you put it in the hands of the people who can make the decisions, right? So it sounds like you're embedding yourselves as a key part of you know, any tool that any business would use to make their daily decisions, which I think is a powerful thing to connect to talent, right? You're not just, you're not just building something or scraping data. You're actually helping companies make important, critical decisions, right? Which I think is that mission that you talk about, which I think resonates so much with talent these days, right? Whether it's technical or not, I think people want to see what their day-to-day does in terms of the broader context of, you know, business, society, environment, whatever it might be, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, well, good. Let's, well, let's talk about then the, I'm curious about the, a lot of that stuff seems like what, what you're doing to sort of get people in the door and actually apply to jobs. Right. And what, and I assume it's maybe something similar, right. Leveraging the people inside the organization, but what types of things would fall under the branding umbrella do you do to sort of convert people, right? They might've applied, they might've interviewed, they're waffling, they're considering you and another, a few other options, right. A few other tech startups to join, what kinds of things are you doing to convince people to say, hey, you know, accept the offer, accept this job, we're the right, we're the right place to work, you know, among all your other options, right? These yep. technical folks have a bunch of options, right? They're not, you're not the only place they're applying to. So absolutely. What are yeah. you doing to convince them to join? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, what I'm really proud of is in 2019, we've had almost about a 90% offer acceptance rate, which company-wide is 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 awesome. That's um, awesome. And I think, you know, going back to the employer branding point you made earlier, I think the people that you have are the best representation of your brand, right? You want to be able to like walk the walk and, and have people that can represent the values of the company and can represent the, um, you know, the really exciting, uh, challenges that people here are tackling. And I think as we get folks in through the, through the door and through the interview process, we try to create really the most objective and structured process, um, to make sure that we're, we can make very data-driven um, sort of assessments. So when we have folks come in for interviews, um, we have more of a competency-specific interview process. So everyone comes to that interview and they're assessing a specific focus area and they come can come back to the huddle post-interview and say, this is how that person performed on that specific focus area. And we treat every single candidate the same exact way through and it provides us with much more con- consistent data as we start to calibrate on the role and as we calibrate on the kinds of profiles that we may think we need. And interviewing is interesting, right? Because you could hypothesize as much as you want out of the gate and say, yeah, we need a person with this type of background, this number of years of experience, 
these are the must-haves we're looking for, et cetera. You may go through several weeks of interviewing and meet a whole handful of candidates, and you might actually have a totally different hypothesis <laughs> after meeting people. So right. we try to be very um, iterative, but also extremely structured in that sense. And I think when it comes down to closing people, it's just about being very transparent about what the near-term opportunity is, but also what the near-term challenges are. And I think you know, oftentimes when people think about working for a startup, they think, oh, I'm going to be able to wear you know flip-flops and shorts to work, and the kitchen's fully stocked, and there's endless cold brew. But you know, working at startups is really hard. And I think we are very just direct about like where the opportunity is, absolutely, but that there's still a lot that has to be built, and, and there's a lot of hurdles that we need to overcome. And we basically say to candidates, if you're excited about the opportunity and you're willing to work really hard, we do see that there's massive upside here. Um, and we present it to them in that context in a very genuine way. And I think, you know, once we get post uh, interview, uh, what's great about Enigma is that, and I give credit to our leadership team, uh, everyone is always willing to help close candidates, whether it's having our CEO take someone out for a coffee, whether it's maybe having a candidate come back up to the office and spending a few hours with them and getting other engineers in the room and whiteboarding out what our roadmap is and what our technical challenges are. I find that like bringing candidates back on site post interview and not selling them, but being very transparent, having them sign an NDA and just walking them through, Hey, if you were to accept their offer, this is what the next three to six months would look like for you. I think that provides them with a much clearer sense of what the day to day would be and like where the opportunity is. And I think sometimes um, companies are trying to move so fast that they'd rather just like, throw a lot of money at a candidate thinking that will close them. But I often find that the kinds of people that we want to recruit at Enigma are super thoughtful and they really appreciate the extra um, context that people are going out of their way to provide. And it shows that they care, right? I think at the end of the day, it's like people want to work for a company that everyone is excited about coming to work to, to work for every day. And I think like we try to have people feel really in, uh, ingrained in the recruiting process. So you're not just someone who's going to be an interviewer. You're also going to be someone who's going to be a representative of why you are selling this person on a job to come work here at Enigma before. So I think like getting everyone involved as like a team um, has really helped us just with that offer acceptance rate. And, and obviously being very careful about the kinds of, um, you know, sort of like salary, uh, you know, considerations we can make with candidates because it is a competitive market and we realize that. And, I think that's where if you put enough diligence into your interview process and you have to pay competitively to get the right person in the door, you can feel more confident that coming in, this person can really have a high chance of success, especially in the near term. Um, and, and of course, in the longer term, hopefully growing with the company. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I mean, so you talked about being data driven, right? I think it's uh, from the product side, your actual business, but also from recruiting. I mean, I'm curious what are, and you talked about offer acceptance rate, which is probably a huge metric that you're paying attention to. I mean, any other high level metrics that you pay attention to that tells you, hey, this branding stuff we're doing is working, whether it's at the top of the funnel, middle or bottom of the funnel? Yeah, I mean, we definitely look at a lot of different metrics. I, I think like one of the more insightful ones um, that every company should constantly be looking at is just like the entire funnel and how each stage is performing. Um, there's ways to do this automated now if you're using products like Greenhouse or other ATS tools. But I do think looking at every single conversion stage and seeing like where you're getting great results and where you're not. Um, can be the most actionable where you can start to really like zoom in on like where you're doing well and where you're not doing well. I think at the top of funnel, it's very easy to track, um, you know, the candidate, uh, you know, quality by source report that, you know, a lot of the ATS products will offer you just to see like what the sheer numbers are. But we want to look at the quality and not the, just the quantity. So if we put a blog post out there and got a hundred applications from that one blog post, but five of those 
you know, applications move to the next phase versus, you know, a lower volume at the top of funnel, but a higher conversion rate, I'd rather go with the quality because interviewing is a cost to the business. The more that time you take away from people's day-to-day work, you know, the more it is a cost. And we want right. to be very careful about, um, you know, the kinds of candidates that we invest in. So we really try to do a lot of diligence in the first few stages of the process, writing really careful job descriptions, making sure the recruiter has a really good sense of how to qualify a candidate, um, ensuring that people who are doing phone screens on the hiring team specifically um, have a very clear rubric of how to pass candidates through to the next phase. Um, and especially in the second half, when you're investing even more time in the candidate, um, making sure that you know what you're looking for in the interview and how to score someone's approach, I think is super critical to being an effective interviewer. And then looking at how interviewers perform as well is really important. So, um, you know, the number one thing that I think maybe most companies don't do as much is actually giving active feedback to interviewers. And that's a really hard thing to do because you can't shadow every single interview or be in every single conversation. Um, but looking at the numbers at least can give you some insight. So if you see that, oh, this one engineer is passing through 75% of the candidates that they talk to, but then out of those 75%, maybe 5% gets an offer, we know that something <laughs> is broken there, right? right so that's yeah. like a data point that we could utilize as an example to give really active feedback to to that specific interviewer. So I think small things that can be really helpful like that are, are really powerful tools. Um, and then the other thing is, is on the more outbound side, I think we do a lot of um, you know, effort to, to track the, um, you know, sort of like efficiency of the messages that we send, right. And AB testing the content that we put into those messages when we're referencing a blog post, when we're referencing our product pages, when we're referencing a link to like our founder story, like those are all really interesting data points that we want to track over time to see what's actually resonating with the kind of audience that we want to attract. Um, so looking at all of this data and tracking it on a consistent basis, I think is just a good practice to have. Um, and making sure that most importantly, you're not just tracking data for the sake of tracking data, but you're actually gaining some sort of actionable insight that can help you improve your process. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of tech involved here. It sounds like in, in the background powering some of this stuff. I mean, any, uh, what, what kind of HR recruiting tech are you kind of geeking out on? I've heard greenhouse mentioned here, uh, CRM, not, not in the business of giving free press out to HR tech products, but I am in the business of helping other recruiters, you know, find stuff that's useful. So Anything yeah, else on top of mind that you're using that, that you love that you want to shout out? Yeah, I'll give a shout out to Gem. Um, we've used their product for the last two years. Um, it's an email automation and CRM product that we found a lot of success with. Um, you know, it enables the recruiter to, you know, A, scrape an email address from a LinkedIn profile because we prefer to really go to directly to someone's inbox rather than sending them a LinkedIn message. Um, and then using the CRM, which I mentioned earlier, which I think is a super powerful tool that every company should be investing in as early as possible. So you can start to build out this talent pool or, or, or project of, of, of folks that you want to recruit. And again, if it's not the right fit for them right now, maybe in another year it will be. And, and, and hopefully you can nurture them over time. It's sort of like the traditional sales um, you know, playbook that's been running for a long time, but I think recruiting is, is yeah. now catching up to it and, uh, it's powerful. And I, and, and I often show my, my BD team, some of the tools that we use and they're like, man, I would love to use this for our <laughs> workflow. And, um, so it's, it's cool. I think like the HR tech space is like only getting bigger and, and there's a lot of exciting things happening in that, in that world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, good. We're wrapping up here, Lee, but a couple more questions for you quick. I mean, what you've given a ton of great advice, but I mean, if you had to leave somebody with some advice, right? They're they're leading talent at a startup, you know, maybe a little bit smaller than you guys are right now, but they know, you know, the, the recruiting and talent leader knows that branding is important, um, but they haven't done anything around it yet. I mean, what advice would you give them to sort of 
get the wheel going, right? Maybe they have to convince leadership. Should they be building a business case in the background or should they just do small little tests on their own and then show the results up and that'll get buy-in? I mean, how would you, how would you suggest somebody go about getting the ball rolling here with branding stuff, right? Yeah, it goes back to my first point. I think it really starts from values. I think if you don't know what your values are, you can't build anything. And I think as an earlier stage company, um, you know, you're going to iterate constantly on your products, on your vision, uh, maybe not as much as your products, but you're going to be a highly iterative company as you find that product market fit. And I think people are iterative, right? Like, you know, and culture should be a bottom up uh, type of idea, not a top down idea. And I think like as you continue to grow and you bring on more people at Enigma, we, we, we like to think about every new hire is hopefully a culture ad. Um, mm. And that new hire brings in a new perspective and new set of ideas to the organization. Um, so I think like really knowing who your people are, what their values are, what they all really feel uh, excited to rally around is the must have first step in any sort of approach to building a brand. And then as you continue to grow, learn from the market and get active feedback. Like as you interview candidates, like one of the must have questions that I always ask folks are, you know, how did you hear about us? Like what, how did we get on your radar? Why did you apply? Like what interested you about our website? What interested you about the message that we sent you, like be a detective and learn as much as you can from every single interaction to iterate on your strategy. And over time, like it should be a snowball effect. And I do think that, um, it should stem from values and, and, and that should be like the, the must have, uh, thing that you nail and, and don't worry about, uh, those values changing over time. I think that's healthy as you bring more people into the organization, but it should be the main thing that you want to always keep top of mind. Uh, cause that's what everyone rallies around. And I think that's where you'll, you'll be able to build a, a successful brand, no matter where the company grows. Yeah. So important, right? That culture has got to be right internally. Otherwise you can't do a lot of this. That's the foundation of all the stuff you guys are doing, right? Folks actually enjoy working there. It's a great culture. You're not going to get engineers involved in, you know, coffee chats or, you know, writing blog posts if the culture's toxic, toxic. So you got to get that right. The foundation, right. right. Um, All right. Rapid fire. Two quick questions here before we, before we get out, Lee, Uh, best thing about recruiting for talent in New York city. Absolute best thing about it. The diversity of companies that are in New York City. I think that's like for me the number one coolest thing about I grew up in New York City my entire life, but the fact that, you know, it's such a cosmopolitan city, you have so many exciting entrepreneurial ideas coming about. Um, you know, the space is only expanding. Uh, I've been recruiting for a number of years now and and for where we were 10 years ago to where we are today, I just think there's so many interesting ideas coming about, not just in finance and advertising, which historically have been like the big functions in New York city tech, but going out into other like agricultural tech, health tech, like there's so many cool things happening in the space that that I'm just excited about that. All right. And now, uh, the worst thing about recruiting for talent in New York city. (laughs) Well, it's probably connected to that point, but just the the level of competitiveness, right? I think there's so many companies out there that are hiring nowadays. Every company wants to sort of sell themselves as a technology company. Um, so it comes back to this topic, right? It comes back to branding and how you put your image out into the world and how you continue to, to iterate on that image. But, um, it's New York city, right? It's, it's, it's a big town and it's a small town, but, um, putting out a genuine, um, you know, image of who you are as a company is, is the mo- one of the most important investments you can make at any stage. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, here in New York, you gotta take the good with the bad, right? That's just sort of right. how it goes. That's life yep. in New York. Um, yep. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Lee. You've been, as I expected, an awesome guest here. Um, and I'm not sure if this podcast will have aired in time, but I did want to give a quick plug to your upcoming speaking engagement at Bowery Capital's People and Talent Summit here in New York City on Wednesday, September 25th. 
Um, so I am attending and, and personally looking forward to hearing more about um, you talking about more of the great work you're doing, you're doing at Enigma. Um, so we look forward to that. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the New York City Future of Talent podcast. Till next time. Thanks again, Lee. Thanks, Jason.